Hello, my name is John Schaefer and welcome to the City World Wealth Manager podcast. Since the pandemic took hold, there have been mass outflows from fixed income, a traditional safe haven asset class. So why has this happened and is there any value to be had at the moment? I spoke with Richard Carter, Quilt Achieviot's Head of Fixed Income Research, to see how the funds in his portfolio have performed. How has the pandemic affected fixed income and, and what is really happening at the moment? Uh, well, it's affected it in different ways. I mean, as, as you kind of know, fixed income is a, you know, is, is a, is a very varied universe um, with everything from sort of very safe haven, uh, you know, securities, sort of AAA government bonds and all the rest of it, uh, all the way down to, you know, the depths of the junk bond market and triple C uh, names. So those... Um, generally, over the course of the year, to what now we're we are middle of May, the the safe haven um, bonds, the government bonds, have generally done pretty well. Um, and obviously, you've had uh, interest rates slashed by central banks and QE as well. So, if you've owned long dated gilts or long dated treasuries, um, you've done very well. But then, all the way down at the bottom of the scale, if you've owned triple uh, C, you know, junk bonds, you've had a pretty shocking year um, because obviously people are worried about the economy and defaults and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, the market was really hit in March, particularly the corporate bond market was really hit aggressively um, because people were worrying about, again, the economy. But, but the central banks did make a big difference uh, in that sort of space, investment grade, because the Fed came out and said it would be doing um, QE, but not just in government bonds. It would also be buying uh, corporate bonds as part of that. So that really settled things down. Um, and we saw a big recovery uh, in the more risk, in the slightly more riskier areas in in in, um, in April, and that's kind of sort of. I wouldn't say it's carried on massively this month, but certainly the market's re- recovered since a long way since its uh, the bottom it reached in in March. So it's been a, I'd say it's been a very turbulent turbulent year, um, but um, there have been a few places that have done okay. Uh, so the latest IA stats for March show that seven point four billion was taken out in the month. Um, and why do you think there were such significant outflows? Well, the outflows tend to follow performance, so um, you know it's a lagging indicator. So if you see poor performance from um, your funds, it tends to lead uh, lead to outflows. Uh, you know, further on, there was a, a rush. Uh, on the part of a lot of people just to raise cash, um, which would have influenced it. But I think, it, again, it goes back to, you know, what is fixed income? You know, it's it's you can't just say, oh, it's all one asset class. There's very different parts of it. So if you were sat in a high-yield bond fund, um, hoping it was relatively safe, paying a bit of income, uh, and then you were experiencing the first two weeks or three weeks of March, you would have been very... Uh, you know, disturbed by the performance, and that would have led to some significant outflows. If you were sat in, you know, a government bond fund, then uh, you know you were seeing pretty good returns. So, you know, the outflows probably I think have come more from the riskier part of fixed income, um, where people were relying on them to perform reasonably well. And then suddenly you had uh, this massive sell-off in March, and that just led to people sort of running for cover. 
And how has the turmoil affected the bond funds in your portfolio? And perhaps you could go into a little bit of depth about some of the major holdings that you have. Yeah, it's, it's been yeah, it's been varied. I mean, we've got uh, you know, could achieve it. We've got a range of different fixed income investments, all the way from uh, gilts, index linked gilts, um, you know, through investment grade and into you know, strategic bond market. Um, I mean, we you know, we we, we use Allianz, um, you know, part, uh, as a you know, in a big way for our uh, government bond exposure. Although we do also uh, do it on a direct basis as well. But they they've done well. You know, they. Um, you know the, the market itself has gone up, and they've, they've either held up with the benchmark or outperformed. Um, and index-linked gilts as well done pretty well. I'd say some of the investment-grade managers um, have done all right. They've recovered quite a bit since uh, the dark days of March, but they've struggled a little bit to outperform the benchmark in some of the volatility. Um, I think. A lot of that would be because some of the names being purchased uh, by central banks under QE and the sort of slightly sort of lower risk parts of the investment grade market, whether that's sort of supranationals uh, or utilities, long dated uh, utilities, have held up pretty well. But they 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 they're not maybe quite so much invested in those areas. They probably tend to be a little bit more sort of financials based or. Uh, maybe some of the more esoteric parts of the corporate bond market. So they've done all right, but I think they, you know, they're not as far ahead of the benchmark and I think that we would have quite liked them to. Um, but generally, they're not, you know, they're sort of not far off. Um, and and, and then, are you sort of considering maybe culling some of those funds? Or what are the funds that have really struggled a bit? No, I mean, I, I, not on the investment grade side. I think on the investment grade side, actually, we've we've been topping up. I mean, it's very interesting at the moment. You know, you saw credit spreads blow out to very attractive levels. Um, we still quite like owning gilts, actually, at the moment, but uh, we've, we've sort of reduced our weight there a bit and got into um, the safer bits of investment grade because you've got, you know, you've got the backup from the Fed. Um, the, the the area that's been hard are obviously high yield, um, but if, you know, we've got exposure to short-duration high yield through, through the AXA fund, that's done... You know, quite a lot better than the high yield market itself because it has a defensive profile. So that's been um, that's been good, and actually, I think from here it should do pretty well. Um, the strategic bond managers is often um, really it's a question of looking at the individual managers. Some of the high profile names have not done well. They had too much credit risk on. Um, they were too optimistic about the economic scenarios this year, and they've done poorly as a result. Um, there have been a few, um, you know, standout names. Allianz is one who, who, who called it much better and who were underweight credit and um, as we sold off and have added to, added to it. So they've done uh, well. But a lot of the more, you know, uh, funds that tend to track either higher risk investment grade or high yield have not exactly covered themselves in glory this year. But um Hopefully, from here they'll come recover. And, and you mentioned Allianz has been one of the more sort of uh, resilient performers. Have there been any other funds that perhaps you didn't expect to perform so well in, the, in your portfolio? Um, I think the other ones we know are sort of, you know, the sort of Janice Hendersons and the Fidelities, who you know tend to correlate quite closely to investment grade. Uh, so they don't have huge amounts in high yield in their strategic bond funds. 
um, they they keep a sort of certain level of sensible duration, you know, around six and a half, seven. That always gives them, uh, you know, it makes it feel like a bond fund. When bonds are doing well, they, they tend to make reasonable returns. <clears throat> so I wouldn't say I was surprised with their performance, um, but certainly um, their more defensive nature um, has meant that they've recovered a long way since March now. Um and in a lot of cases, sort of flat, you know, sort of flat year to date, which for a credit fund is probably not a you know, terrible performance. And are you seeing any um, good opportunities at the moment? I think the opportunities is still investment grade. Um, I mean, I think obviously if a vaccine is discovered tomorrow, you know, that would change and you'd want to risk your parts of high yield. But I think um, being kind of, you know, sort of sensible at the moment, I think you you look at investment grade spreads, um, they've widened out. They have, you know, they've widened out obviously over the course of the year. They're, they're not as high as they were, but um, they're still quite high than long-term averages. Um, and I think there's a sort of willingness on the part of most central banks to keep this market ticking over and fun- functioning. Um, you've seen a lot of issuance from companies, and that, that's been sort of willingly absorbed by um, the market. And I, you know, there's always a risk of downgrades and all the rest of it. But I think. Um, you do have that defence of the uh, central banks behind you. And obviously, the other thing is, um, and as we well know, a lot of equity, um, a lot of equity investors are now finding out those dividends are not as safe as they thought. Um, and, and the income they were getting from the likes of sort of Shell and BP and all the rest of it is not as uh, as bulletproof as they'd like. So, when you go and look at, you know, look for income, you go, you go and have a look at investment grade, it actually looks quite attractive. I mean, you mentioned quite a lot of the sort of central banks pumping money um, in, into the asset class. Um, but do you think that will will cause a sort of inflationary environment over the coming months? And, and if so, how would you sort of change the positioning of your portfolio? Uh, yeah, I mean, if it, if it does, I mean, I mean, you want short duration and you want more exposure to inflation-linked bonds. So I think the response, you know, the sort of... Um, we kind of know what to do. We sort of break the glass. We've got inflation-linked bonds, you know, and off you go. I think that's um, fairly clear. Obviously, in that environment, bonds would not do as well as maybe some other asset classes. But I'm sceptical we're about to see some sort of inflation spike. I mean, you know, we've been the central banks have been doing QE for ten years now, and, and um, the only the only inflation we've had, frankly, is in, in asset prices. It's not been in consumer inflation. Um, I struggle to see um, why, you know, for example, housing costs would go up dramatically over the next sort of couple of years if we're going through a, um, you know, a slow sort of economic recovery. I struggle to see why wages would go up at a time of, you know, rising unemployment. Obviously, if you were to get a a quick vaccine um, or some way of treating the virus and then, you know, a quick recovery and blimey having, you know, central banks have just pumped masses of money into the markets. Yes, you could start to see some inflation at that point. Um, but all the forecasts I've seen suggest inflation is going to be very, very low this year um, and will remain so until we see a sustained um, economic recovery. And, and that, that, you know, to me, that, that sustained economic recovery is not going to happen um, until the virus is beaten or seems to be close to being beaten. Looking on to emerging market debt, I don't know what 
kind of allocation you have in this area or whether you're seeing any strong strong opportunities what, what's kind of been happening in, in that area of your portfolio it's done badly but i must say we don't have much of an exposure i'd say partly that's because we've been you know we've been burned before in emerging markets it's not you know over the last 10 years or so you could argue investment grade and, and high yield and all the rest of it have they've had the might um, the odd blip but generally have held up pretty well Whereas emerging market debt has, has gone through several episodes of uh, of turmoil, so this this is no this is nothing new. And I think, to be honest, um, we've tended to shy away uh, from emerging market debt um, to some extent. There is still some exposure, but it's not huge. But we, you know, there are still problems. I mean, uh, you know, a slow economic uh, slow economic growth is is bad news for um, most emerging markets. Um, you've got commodity prices kind of at rock bottom, which doesn't help either. Um, and then you've seen the response to the crisis in places like Brazil has been absolutely, well, it's been patchy at best. It certainly hasn't been a great... Uh, I mean, are there any, perhaps any emerging markets that can benefit from these low commodity prices? I suppose the likes of India perhaps can, can benefit. Are, are you looking at areas such as India? Well, they might do. They might do. But I mean, we we would kind of leave that up to our external fund managers to decide if they wanted to pick these particular markets. I think, you know, our view is on the overall area, and I think it's still a difficult place to be um, until you see some sort of sustained economic recovery. I mean, you know, a bit like you say, India, maybe some of the parts of Asia who have got on top of the virus a bit better uh, may see some opportunities. But I think for now... Um, we're kind of still pretty much sort of shying away from that sort of area and preferring the investment grade. Going back to high yield, um, I know you, you mentioned that a lot of those areas of, of funds have been kind of hammered recently. But do you think going forward over the next few months that there might be pockets of opportunities and that um, part of fixed income might be worth a risk? Yes. I mean, I, I do kind of think so because... Um, you know, again, going back to central banks, although QE is, is mostly focused on the investment grade side, they have said, quite surprisingly, that they are willing to buy fallen angels. So by that, obviously, I mean that um, companies that get, have got downgraded from investment grade into high yield uh, would still be eligible to be bought. And this was very kind of reassuring because, you know, you speak to uh, high yield managers over the last, not just recently, but the last couple of years, this sort of fear of a massive fallen angels coming into their sector has been a, has been a real concern. So, um, yes, it does give us a bit of reassurance. But obviously, the, the, the trade-off if you're buying high yield is if the economy doesn't recover or, or heaven forbid, we see a second wave of this virus, and I'm thinking sort of the winter time, then that part of the market would be very, very exposed. So, you know, I think, as I say, we're, we're sort of okay holding maybe the sort of shorter duration, more defensive funds within high yield, where actually you still get a pretty decent yield, you know, 5% or so, without taking um, as much risk as going all the way um, and buying the whole market or looking at buying triple Cs. So I think if you if you really want to bet on a you know, strong economic recovery, equity markets probably are the place to be. Um, if you're looking for sort of safer bonds with a with a yield, then um, the investment grade market is, is the place to be. Um, and, and sort of looking at the current situation, do you think that fixed income is still a good diversifier in a portfolio? 
Uh, I mean, absolutely. Um, provided, you know, you're not just provided you're willing to own some of the safer parts of it. I mean, it is it is very difficult at the moment. I understand for people to look to want to own government bonds at these sorts of levels. I mean, we're talking 20 basis points on the 10-year guilt. Um, you know, and it's, we all know that over the longer term, that's not exactly going to be very compelling. Um, but, it, but again, going back to the risk of having a second wave from the virus, you know, we know if that happens, there's more downside in, in the riskier parts of the market, be they equities or, um, or high yields. So we still like having a little bit of exposure to that part of the market, just in case, you know, we have um, a scenario a bit like Japan. In terms of the outlook for government bonds, although we know the yields are obviously very low at the moment, um, there, is a, there is a risk that, um, you know, we're going down the sort of Japanification route where, where, government, where, where although there is a lot of uh, government bond issue and central banks continue to do QE and keep those yields low. And, and you know, we've seen negative yields in Europe. There's talk that we could see that in the UK and US at some point. So we still think owning some government bonds uh, does make some sense uh, to diversify, diversify, diversify away from uh, equities, especially with the risk that we might see a second wave from this virus. But obviously, you know, I appreciate longer term um, the, the you know, investors will be looking for returns from um, other parts of the market. Richard, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Okay, appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.